Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. Hour number two of the Rob Carson Show on this uh, Friday. And by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. We've got a little bit more news from uh, East Palestine, Ohio. Also, uh, Don Lemon is uh, missing from CNN this morning. But today is an auspicious day, a sad day. Because two years ago, we lost a legend. The great Rush Limbaugh. With talent on loan from God. This is from Jim Goss. And have my brain tied behind my back, to be fair. You were the sunshine of our life. Come on. Rush. That's why we'll miss you oh so much. You know, I'm the mayor of Realville. <laughs> you cut down liberals like a knife. Rush. El Rushball. Forever you'll be number one. I am Rush Limbaugh, household name. America needed a hero. In all the four corners of the world. And then you came to our rescue. The Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Conservative Studies. Competition, you had zero. How could so much talent be inside of you? And don't doubt it. You were the sunshine of our life. Rush. That's why we listened every day. It's not much more complicated than that. You helped us get through all the strife. Rush. No one will ever take your place. Because Rush was, Rush was the sunshine of our life. Of our life. Of our life. Meeting and surpassing all audience expectations every wow. day behind this Golden EIB microphone. Wow, wow, wow. I forgot how good that was. Jim Gossett. Unbelievable. Newsway, Newsmakerline.com is his, uh, is his website. Um, just, just amazing. And I'm, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Rush's passing. Obviously, you know, if you listen to the show, I wrote for Rush for a number of years. And, um, and I, I'm going to tell you, I listen to him every day. Uh, that, that I mean, honestly, from the age of 22 to the age of you know where I where I was two years ago, to 55. So 22 to 55 is how many years I listened to Rush Limbaugh every day, every day for his take. And I remember when uh, I remember uh, uh, you know historical events because of what he said about him. I remember his take on him. I remember what he said after 9/11. I, you know, I remember all of this stuff. I remember I I told uh, uh, Bo Snerdly, uh, aka James Golden. After Rush passed away, I, I reminded him, I said, well, I remember there's this one day that Rush read a, a letter, uh, the farewell letter from, uh, letter from Ronald Reagan. Because Ronald Reagan uh, knew that he had uh, Alzheimer's and he wrote a letter uh, saying goodbye to everybody. And I remember the day because uh, Ronald Reagan sent it to Rush Limbaugh and Rush Limbaugh shared it on the air. And I remember that day and I, that just solidified to me, while they'll, there'll never be another Rush Limbaugh, there'll never be another Rush Limbaugh on talk radio. I, I, I hate to break it to you. I like to say I follow in his steps, but nobody will fill his shoes to have that kind of an impact. And we live his legacy every day, and we can thank him for it. So uh, God bless you, my broadcast brother. Rush Limbaugh passed away on this date two years ago. Okay, so um, 
East Palestine, Ohio. Hadn't heard of uh, East Palestine, Ohio. It's like so many uh, myriad small towns across uh, flyover country. If you've ever been into um, uh, northern Ohio, eastern Ohio, uh, uh, western Pennsylvania, you know that it's populated by small uh, burbs. Uh, some of them uh, small, some of them larger. I used to spend a lot of time in both states. I lived in Ohio for a number of years, lived uh, in, just uh, near the border of, uh, of Maryland and Pennsylvania. Used to go up into uh, Amish country and uh, Hershey and whatnot, and there's a lot of poverty there. There are a lot of people there who, uh, you know, breed dogs for a living because they have uh, nothing else. You know, uh, uh, we heard that uh, there were some dog kennel owners uh, near uh, East Palestine who lost a few animals uh, and foxes and birds and whatnot. And so what I'm going to do is, you know, we're obviously going to cover the political ramifications, the fact that, you know, the, the government's not doing what they should. We're going to hold them accountable. Then also do our level best to offer uh, as soon as we find out the best way that you can help out. The best way you can help out, because, man, anything is possible when we come together, and I know that we will. We just need to be able to channel our energy. Let's go to Mark in Reisterstown, Maryland. Mark, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. You've been holding for a while. What do you got to say? Uh, thanks for taking my call. And by the way, yes, we certainly miss Mr. Limbaugh. We mourn his passing still. A great man yes, there. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. Uh, so this thing, this terrible, terrible thing that happened there, uh, I, I think it's, it's – what do you think? Is this political partisanship? Because these are human beings that are being affected in a very, very bad way. I'm very upset that the government is rushing to their aid. Right Mark, away. Mark, Mark. Let me play something for you. Can I, can you hold on? I want to play something for you sure. real quick here, and, and just see uh, because you know uh, I don't know if you knew this, but last year before the midterms, the president of the United States bathed Constitution Hall in blood red and declared half of the population to be enemies of the state. Here's the audio. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic. We must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving America than the MAGA Republicans are destroying America. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. You and 81 million Americans voted to save our democracy. Now, we've got a government that is literally sick, the DOJ, on uh, parents who uh, protest CRT and the sexualization of our children in school. We know that is extensive. We know that the government is literally paying for the uh, GDI, the Global Disinformation Index, to to get advertisers not to act on conservative media. We know that the people in uh, East Palestine voted 70% Donald Trump. So what do you suppose the uh, urgency of Joe Biden and the federal government is to helping out those people? Terrible. It's, it's terrible. Absolutely unacceptable, terrible, and upsetting. As you say, as soon as, uh, as, soon as we know how we can help, we're going to. Yeah, Mark, you know what? If this happened in the Hamptons, if this happened uh, near Martha's Vineyard, everybody would have been evacuated. It would have been World War III. Everybody would, would, would have been wearing hazmat suits. Everybody would have been taken out wearing masks in East Palestine. Nobody cares. They just sent them right back to their homes, didn't tell them to wear masks. Of all the places, you know, you had these stupid government telling everybody they needed to wear masks forever. How about uh, maybe, I don't know, giving some actual masks to the people of East Palestine, ones that actually work when it comes to particulate matter from uh, an explosion. Uh, Mark, thanks for the phone call, bro. I do appreciate it. I, I just, sorry. Think about it. Come on, man. I mean, guys, if this were in Martha's Vineyard, you think this wouldn't be at the top of every stinking news? Really? Of course it would. 
Of course it would. Let's go to Wilbur in the Severn, Maryland. Wilbur, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's on your mind today? Hello. Uh, I would like to add something to the East Palestine discussion. Uh, I think that this has been a complete uh, uh, disaster in terms of risk communication to the public. And, uh, and I think that the, the, the citizens of East Palestine uh, are being misled. Um, the fact that they're doing air monitoring doesn't say anything whatsoever. There currently are no vapors or gases being released, uh, but it doesn't say anything about the particular matter that it has been uh, uh, deposed on, on houses, on the soils, and whatever, that people yeah. are still being exposed to. And Wilbur, and Wilbur, and Wilbur also, Wilbur, Wilbur, Wilbur. Uh, and also, let's not forget all of the chemicals that didn't burn away, the ones that uh, entered the uh, the dirt, well, the earth. That's, and that's what that particular matter is made of. It's incomplete combustion or uh, or, or, or products that were formed that, that could be actually more toxic than the original ones. Yeah. Uh, so all that matter is actually disposed, is, is, is accumulating as, as dust, as soot, uh, on the houses, on the screens, on the windows, on the on the yards, and until that is assessed, you cannot say that people are not being exposed to toxics. Furthermore, as far as testing well water, groundwater, well, yeah. obviously, if you test the water now, probably you won't find any contamination. That's because that dust that is that has been deposed on the soils, on yes. the sediments, on the streams, it takes time for it to percolate into the groundwater. That doesn't mean that in a few months from now you won't be detecting contamination until they know where the contamination is and make sure that the sources, basically those sediments and contaminated soils have been removed. The, the threat of contamination still exists. So the idea that prematurely say, oh, it's okay to go back to your house, you haven't washed the house, you have not removed all that dust around the house, on the screens of the windows, you don't know how much of those, uh, that particular matter is accumulated in your yard. Nobody hey, Wilbur. Knows. They haven't done Wilbur, studies. <laughs> uh, what, what do you, you sound knowledgeable at this. Do you have expertise in this field? Yeah, I'm an environmental engineer, and I used to work in remediation of sites and assessment wow. of risks. And uh, I think that this is the worst case I've ever seen on how to communicate risk to people. I, I don't think that it has been explained correctly. They should have actually told them, okay, this is what we did, this is what we know, this is what we don't know. And based on that, they should have allowed people to make the decisions of whether or not it was okay to go, go back to their homes. It was uh, erroneous. It was a complete mistake to just tell people, oh, everything's okay, go find home. You don't do that. It's up to the person to assess, okay, what are my risks? And, and the government should have told them, this is what we know, this is what we don't know, so people make, can make their own assessments. Just like they did with the vaccine. They never told people what the risks are. They said, you have to have it. But this is the same thing. They're telling people, go back home. We know what's best for you. They don't know. They haven't communicated that to anybody. Wilbur, do you know anything about the chemicals that were released into the air in East Palestine? Um, there was vinyl chloride. There were several others. Uh, do you know anything about uh, what was being carried in those tankers? Have you heard much about that? Do you, are, does your experience... Vinyl chloride is a carcinogen. Uh, it's, it takes only a small amount of vinyl chloride to reach the groundwater to contaminate an aquifer. Uh, and uh, when you hear about uh, trichloroethylene, um, which is a big contaminant everybody's concerned about. The main concern is because trichloroethylene degrades into vinyl chloride. And the main concern is actually vinyl chloride. And that's, there are so many aquifers in the United States that are contaminated with uh, trichloroethylene and vinyl chloride, and that is the problem. Uh, so until they are sure 
that they have identified the sources in the soil and the sediments because all they did was they took care of the stuff that was in the tanks. But they don't know how much of it actually made it to the soil in terms of it was dispersed by all the, uh, all the uh, particulate matter that was actually floating in the air and eventually came down to the ground. Where did it go? Yeah, I would assume, Wilbur, I would assume that you would want to go to the place where the accident happened and, and remove a very large amount of the topsoil, remove that, take, take it to some sort of a containment area. That may eventually be what needs to happen, but the fact of the matter is that they don't know where that is because they have not done the testing. Telling people that they have actually just done air, uh, air quality monitoring, air quality monitoring is, is testing for gases and vapors in the air and they could also be tasting for dust that is in the air but it doesn't give you any information from the dust that is already on the ground or on yes. another surface very good you hey wilbur so you wilbur. have a risk of contact of that material with your person one more thing, one more thing, real quick, 30 seconds. Uh, we saw J.D. Vance throw a rock into a stream and then an oily sheen coming up on the surface. Do you know anything about that? Well, I, I don't have all the details, but that means okay. that there is contamination that has been absorbed into the sediments. So those okay. sediments are now a source of contamination. Wow. So right. uh, the water, by virtue of the water pressure, is pushing those contaminants down. Down. So gotcha. whether that stream is actually contributing to groundwater or whether it's a discharge from groundwater, that hasn't been established. So right. if the stream is actually has any connection to the groundwater aquifer, eventually those contaminants are going to make it into the groundwater. All right, Wilbur, I got to run. <laughs> I got to run, bro. I appreciate your expertise. And as this progresses, feel free to call the show, okay? Let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Time to put Nancy, Joe, Chuck, Bernie, and Mitch in a retirement home. Rest well and rest easy. You deserve it. It's the Rob Carson Show. Alan Dershowitz wrote a terrific column in Newsmax about uh, AT&T deplatforming Newsmax. Um, You guys are making a difference. You guys are making a major difference. And uh, so many of you have called uh, DirecTV to complain. Uh, Some of you have canceled. What I would recommend is you call and you say, hey, we want Newsmax back on. It's important to us. Uh, and even Alan Dershowitz, he said that uh, that uh, he, uh, after the uh, recent State of the Union address, turned to Newsmax for their coverage and surprised it was missing from the channel guide. Apparently, your reaction to this, and by the way, 13 million homes get Newsmax on DirecTV. Your reaction to this has brought DirecTV and AT&T to the table. This is gigantic. Uh, This is really, really big because they did it to OAN and nobody said anything. And then they did it to Newsmax. And this is this all came from Nancy Pelosi and two Democrats in Congress. And it's about this disinformation and misinformation. It's a word that they started using. They created this uh, this global disinformation index. And it turns out that the federal government literally has sunk six hundred sixty five thousand dollars into this it was created essentially to shut down speech particularly conservative speech and the person who put it together one of them dr daniel rogers 
He's the co-founder and executive director of the Global Disinformation Index. Wrote an op-ed for Time magazine calling for sweeping tech reforms to block President Donald Trump or someone like him from getting elected. That's what he said. Newsmax carries most of Trump's rallies. The election season is underway. When Newsmax was deplatformed, there was only one candidate in the Republican race. The same candidate who's been targeted by everybody and their brother for the last seven years. And he's become stronger. Rogers claimed during the February 2022 presentation to Princeton University, uh, students supports uh, Donald Trump cannot be deprogrammed from alleged disinformation. He also bashed Breitbart's news coverage of immigration crime as inciting anti-immigrant violence, among other things. In his op-ed, he said the key to Donald Trump's rise to power was online disinformation. To combat alleged disinformation, which is, by the way, a, a Stalinist term taken on by our government to shut down conservative speech uh, and any dissent at all, like, I don't know, the vaccine, CRT, Black Lives Matter, uh, the burning and sacking of, of cities in this country in 2020, the attempted burning down of St. John's Church by radicals in Washington, D.C. that forced Donald Trump and his family into the presidential bunker for the first time in history. All of those things were called disinformation by the government first, then big social media, then the mainstream media, and they all acted in concert. 877 Newsmax, if you'd like to get in touch with us, and then uh, Newsmax will put you in touch with your uh, congressional representative or DirecTV. But apparently, things are really working. You did it. You did it. We're winning. Let's go to Richard in uh, Cambridge, Maryland. Hello there, Richard. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind today, bro? Thanks for uh, taking my call. Yeah. Uh, my question is to that government official says it's okay to drink the water. Probably is right now. Yeah. But once that chemical leaches through the soil and goes down to where the wells are 30, 40, 50 feet deep, they be, they got to be tested every month. You'd think. Before, uh, and see if it, how these chemicals get into the wells then. Well, yeah, of course, because it's got to, you got to have rainwater. If you've just got the chemical, it's only going to go down so far. When rain comes in, that's going to be a much more big, a much much more voluminous, uh, voluminous, I should say, um, amount of liquid that will mix with the uh, chemicals and then take them further into the groundwater. So you're right, Richard. I, I appreciate your phone call. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this this uh, government disinformation, this uh, global disinformation index, this is uh, pretty remarkable stuff. And we find out literally that $665,000 of our taxpayer money was sent to shut down this. And by the way, uh, there are a whole bunch of people who are uh, wanting to and going to investigate this cabal, this conspiracy to uh, shut down conservative speech and basically make all media, big social media, a tool of the state. Unbelievable. Chris Markowski, the watchdog on Wall Street, comes up next to talk about money, inflation, and the economy. Don't go anywhere. Hey, guys, it's Carson. Are you looking to protect your money from Biden's America? Yeah. 
Me too. Well, right now you can get up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last just by taking action in today's uncertain times. That's exactly why I've partnered with a great company, Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. Gold Co. is a six-time, 5,000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year with thousands of five-star reviews and have helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. If you call them today, qualified callers get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. Don't pass this up. Not while companies are laying off workers by tens of thousands and Chinese spy balloons are drifting over our country consequence-free. Protect yourself from Biden's America and see if you're eligible for up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. Here's the number, 855-735-3740. That's 855-735-3740 for Gold Co. Do you know why we know Joe Biden and the Democrats caused a 40-year high inflation? When factories that make these ships shut down, ships shut down. Because we're not stupid. It's the Rob Carson Show. Joining us on the Newsmax Hotline on this glorious Friday, Chris Markowski, who is the host of the Watchdog on Wall Street program. And he's, uh, how you doing today, sir? I'm hanging in there, but yourself? Uh, you know what? I'm doing okay. Just kind of wondering what's going on with this uh, with this economy. I saw that uh, it looks like retail sales might have made a little bit of a recovery in January, which to me says uh, a lot of people waited to do their Christmas shopping in January. What are, what are your thoughts on uh, on that, Chris? Uh, you know, retail sales can be can be volatile. Um, yeah, it might yeah. down to some to, to some degree. I, you know, also you know, people going out on vacation, lagging numbers. Uh, th- there's a myriad of, of things out there. Also, you know, wages have ticked up uh, to some degree, and you know, obviously that's factoring it. And you know, you see sale, you see retail sales coming up. They, they almost have to come up because of, of some of the inflationary pressures that we're still facing as well. So uh, I'm hearing from a number of uh, different sources, and I'm reading a number of sources that are saying that uh, inflation isn't going anywhere, and there's a real potential that it could uh, could take off. And, I, and I've seen uh, inflation, it seems to be uh, ticking up on some things, particularly energy, in the uh, month of January. What do you see about uh, uh, inflation with regard to this year? Well, that, that was a, a big part of uh, that was a big part of the you know the higher than expected. Even though it, it's come down, uh, it, there's no doubt about it. Inflation has come down to some degree, but you know they had a tick up in energy prices in January, which again it, it factors into everything. Um, you know, I, I pull my hair out with a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, I don't believe that the Federal Reserve uh, is equipped with handling. Uh, you know, energy, quite frankly, I, yeah. I they can affect the economy and then make people not, you know, use energy or we can increase supply. It seems to me that we're dealing with supply issues here in more ways than one. I mean, you're also taking a look at, you know, the price of eggs, which is up, what, 70 yeah. percent year over year. But that's that's also due to the avian flu. You know, the Federal Reserve's not going to go around and put masks on chickens. <laughs> they're not going to help with that. So you yes. know, there's certain things out there where the government really needs to help. The government needs to help by getting out of the way, uh, yeah. by doing nothing, by reducing regulation and making it easier uh, for businesses to deal with some of these supply issues. 
Chris, you know, it, it, the, the Fed always, uh, you know, finagles the interest rates. They mess with interest rates. They want to slow the economy. They raise interest rates. They want to speed up the economy. They lower interest rates. They're one-trick ponies. But you, uh, you tapped into something there which I think is unbelievably important and helped Donald Trump, certainly, and that is getting rid of federal regulation, getting government off your back because nobody is going, like, for instance, Joe Biden has, you know, declared war on fossil fuels and then says, well, why aren't you really on federal land? Well, why would you invest uh, the kind of money for exploration and infrastructure if you know in the back of their minds the president of the United States and the Democrat Party hate everything about your industry and want it to go out of business would you want to invest in that uh well again what it was the reason why they're getting upset you know why is chevron buying back their stock why is chevron investing in algeria they're spending uh. a fortune in algeria to uh tap into their natural gas because they want to start sending that over to europe um you know it's going to be developed somewhere uh yeah. you don't want to do it here fine but you know one of the you know there's a lot of dumb things i've been watching watching and listening to state of the union addresses for a long time and uh the idea that we're going to get rid of fossil fuels in 10 years is, is up there it's got to be you know top five of dumb things that were proposed at state of the union addresses now um i have heard and read reports about uh, green energy companies um particularly those involved in wind energy beginning to experience beginning to bleed money um and it doesn't sound like what's going off on the on the east coast with whales washing ashore dead uh because yeah. of uh, sonar they're they're pounding the ground of the oceans with sonar and and driving these animals ashore to die um what have you heard about green energy i know that esg has been a big thing it's nonsense uh, places like florida saying we're not going to base people's retirement fa- funds on uh, esg investments are, are we beginning to turn the corner on this nonsense or is the government well obviously the government's going to keep pumping money at it uh what are you what are you hearing well i mean that's what they want to do i mean we've, we've pumped trillions of dollars and it hasn't really made a dent you know the windmill situation um again you know, on land it bothers human beings human beings don't want to be around if the effects you know, imagine, you know, being mammals that, that, you know, have to rely upon, you know, sonar and sound uh, to navigate. Yeah, you're, you're right. You had, you know, whales beached in, in New Jersey and also uh, on Long Island as well. You know, not to mention the fact that I'm talking about this. All these, uh, these windmill companies aren't making any money. They're losing no. a fortune and they're falling down. It's as if yes. Don Quixote came out of retirement. <laughs> He's going after these windmills. Not They're falling down all over the place. Well, it, the, the ultra-large ones, the small ones, and they can't figure out why. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Well, when you got a blade that's 100 yards long, uh, you know, <laughs> and you and you have a wind that's over 10 miles an hour, I mean, what the hell do you expect? The, the pressure's on it. They say that the tips of those blades can exceed the speed of sound. That is going to, A, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a massive salad shooter for birds and for bats, by the way. But, but it, it is enormously stressful on the structure. And they don't last as long. They, they expected these things to last 10, 20 years, and they're falling apart left and right, and they're not recyclable. No, no, no. And, and again, they're not making any money either. Um, it, it, you know, we, we constantly do this all the time. You know, we've, it's almost like we got the, the kids in the college, you know, freshman college dorm room with the tapestry on the wall making decisions on how things are going. They don't think things through. <laughs> they got these grandiose dreams, but they put the cart before the horse. Um, in regards to, to many of these things, you, you want to head in a certain certain direction. Yeah, that's fine. That's all well and good, but you, you know you might want to come up with a plan first. 
I mean, we, we don't have the electrical grid for all the EVs. We don't have the material for all the EVs. Um, you, you know, your, your renewables are not going to be enough to charge all of this stuff. I mean, it's just one dumb idea after another. Um, so, again, you, know, you, you might want to come up with, with answers to those questions first before you start mandating stupidity like uh, we're getting rid of combustion engine cars in 10 years. Well, I like to use the expression EVs are for posers. And uh, honestly, and nothing, if you've got an EV, that's great. If you have, you know, one you're just going to tool around, you got to go to Whole Foods and put, you know, a, a, you know, a small bag with some hummus in the trunk. Um, you know, they're, they're really great. But if you put a payload on them, if you work for a living where you put drywall in the back of a truck, uh, it ain't going to last very long. And it's not going to work with, uh, with uh, buses in cold weather and whatnot. Uh, now, did you hear about this uh, uh, Ford plant that apparently they're going to build? Uh, in the United States, and they're going to bring it. They're going to invest in with a Chinese company to build electric vehicles. And it sounds like Marco Rubio saying, uh, "No federal money for you." What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I, again, I you know this is part of the, the I think Chips Act subs- subsidies. I don't know the full inv- involvement of, of China. However, I do know that Glenn Youngkin in Virginia rejected it uh, oh. because of that reason. Um, these batteries that they're making, these are, these are less efficient batteries than the ones that are going in now. They're cheaper uh, to put in there. I think they're based on nickel uh, rather than lithium, and they don't hold the charge. I mean, again, if they want to put out the, you know, uh, cars that, that are not as expensive, and that's what they have to do. They've got to develop batteries to do so. But, you know, again, it, you kind of pull your head out as an American if you, you pay attention at all. You, you've got guys in the Air Force, generals in the Air Force, telling us, that we're going to be at war with China in, in, by 2025, yet we need yeah. all of their rare earth minerals to buy all the stuff that we're <laughs> here to build, and we're partnering with them on this. Again, does any of this make any sense? No. Uh, you know, I, I, no. You know, I'm a child of the Cold War. We weren't partnering with the Soviet Union on, on major <laughs> infrastructure projects. That is, uh, that's true. We're talking to Chris Markowski, the Watchdog on Wall Street. Uh, we haven't heard a whole lot about FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried, man. What's going on? Do we have a kind of a media blackout? Is, is there some, uh, obviously he was a big supporter of political causes that sent a lot of money, greased a lot of palms in Washington, D.C. What are your thoughts on, uh, on FTX, uh, and, and them being held accountable? Cause this is nowhere near the story that Bernie Madoff was. Why is that, Chris? Well, I, again, I, I, well, Madoff is a little bit, uh, you know, different in the sense that, uh, you know, he ripped off a lot of, you know, people that are high up on the ladder. Let's just leave uh-huh. it at that. People yeah. that are in the big club that you and I are not in, you know, that George Carlin <laughs> talked about, that big club. Yeah, he, he, he ripped off a lot of those people. So that's obviously going to make some noise. I mean, the, Stan Bankman-Fried ripped off a lot of people as well. Uh, Republicans right now are looking into, and I, I said this in the get-go, the, you know, they decided to arrest him and go after him the day before he was supposed to testify in Congress. Now, what kind of moron, uh, you know, <laughs> Justice Department would do something like that? Like, I could go there and incriminate himself, and you can help your case, but you're going to stop him from doing that? You're from yeah. opening up his mouth? It made, it made no sense. Yeah. Um, the, the judge in the case is uh, right now is that they're thinking about putting him back in jail because he's breaking some of the terms of his gotcha. uh, his two hundred two hundred and what was it two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, yeah you, 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 you know, they must pay those college professors at, at Stanford pretty well because they're the ones that backed them <laughs> on that, believe it or not. But yeah, he said he was in the Internet and I wasn't supposed to. So he's getting himself in trouble. Chris, uh, where I mean, a lot of people are kind of looking for uh, and, and I know you can't give a lot of uh, just over the phone advice as far as. Uh, 
as far as investments is concerned, uh, are concerned, I should say. Um, you know, uh, what, what, do, do you still possibly recommend, uh, like, mutual funds, diverse, diversified portfolio, patro, uh, uh, portfolio funds like that? Is there something that you see up and coming that has kind of piqued your interest without necessarily saying, I'd buy a lot of that? Well, listen, everyone's situation is a unique and different. Gotcha, and, you gotcha. Know, you, don't try to, you don't try to time the market because then you got to be right twice. You don't yeah. do that. You, you know, you, what I try to explain to people is during times of tumult, that's where the real money is made. Not at the time, but while you're accumulating during that period of time. And you're dollar yeah. cost averaging and you're putting money away uh, in a portfolio that makes sense for you. you know, I like yeah. to encourage people to, you know, to, to look to buy. Don't look at, look at, don't think of, st- don't think of companies like stocks. Look at your buying great companies. That's what you need to focus yeah. on. Yeah. Companies that have great management, great prospects, valued properly, that are going to uh, stand the test of uh, all these uh you know, the Fed and inflation and all these things that will come out on the other side just better. Boy, a lot of these big tech companies are bleeding employees right now. Uh, it looks like Meta and Facebook losing a lot of money. I mean, do you see uh, – I mean, when you lose – what I had heard like $70 billion uh, that uh, that uh, Mark Zuckerberg has lost. And, and uh, well, He didn't lose – I mean, he didn't have $70 billion okay. and it went to money heaven. That okay. was the valuation of his okay. company. And this is what I try to encourage people to understand. The media does this all the time. Like, so-and-so lost X amount of billions of dollars. No, he didn't. Okay? The value of stock came down. It was what it was worth for a period of time. Yeah. And if he tried to cash in $70 billion worth of stock, the stock would drop. Because gotcha. for every you know, seller, you have to find a buyer for that yeah. $70 billion in stock. It was the value of his portfolio and what that was worth at that point in time. This is why the, the stupidity of the wealth tax. It makes no sense. Oh, dear Lord. You know, yeah. so, again, you know, don't worry about them. When they say that, oh, my God, how many billions did Elon Musk lose? Do you think his lifestyle's changed at all? He's doing fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's okay. Exactly, exactly. Now, you, you live in New York, right? Okay. Um, it, it appears that uh, New York has done nothing to stem the flow of people moving out of New York. Uh, you've got a you've got a new governor. You've got the new mayor of New York. And uh, uh, what is the status of uh, of New York, New York City, with regard to habitability and the desire to leave? Well, I, I mean, I'm on my way out. Once my I got a my youngest one is a junior in high school, and once he's done with high school, um, you know, I'm I'm going to be out of here as well. Uh, but you know, the, the, the city of New York is most certainly not the same. I mean, I lived in yeah, yeah. Um, Manhattan right out of college for 10 years and there's no way. I mean, I was, you know, Giuliani was first coming in and the, the yeah. transformation that took place uh, under Giuliani and Bloomberg and what it's become is, is sad. You got yeah. 50% occupancy, uh, I mean, vacancy rates right now. And yeah. as far as commercial is concerned, that's not good for, for business. I mean, the place, the place, you know, it smells. I guess it smells like you know the, the you know those kids you had on your dorm room floor uh, that <laughs> always listen to the Grateful Dead all the time. Yes, That's yes, yes. Pretty much sells. Like, it, it, it yeah. smells like hot everywhere. Can't oh, it's it's it. bad. It's ba- I was there uh, in December, and it does. It reeks even at seven in the morning. People are blazing up. Yeah, and the, the weird thing is, no matter what, you could be in your car and it. Yeah. I'm like, how the hell did that happen? It's like almost like I got hit in a fucking <laughs> pot. All right, brother. Well, thanks for joining me today, Chris. Uh, make sure to check out watchdogonwallstreet.com. Chris, have a great weekend with your family, okay, bud? You got it. You too. Have a good one. All right, let's take a break. It's the Rob Carson Show. 
If the left tells you to quiet down, get louder. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show, Friday edition. Thank you very much. And uh, there is uh, much to get to before the show is over, by the way. I don't know if you heard this, but, uh, you know, uh, Don Lemon uh, is not on um, He is not on uh, CNN this morning because he uh, apparently really made some people mad um, with his comments about uh, about women. Let me see if I can find him here. I, I know I have him somewhere. <clears throat> I run all my own audio, by the way. That's one of the things that I do, and sometimes I have stuff right here when I need it, and sometimes I don't. Uh, but Don Lemon, uh, he said something about women not being in their prime yesterday. Let me, I'll find it here in just one second. Uh, and he is no longer, he is not on, uh, he is not on CNN this morning. Here, this is Don Lemon with his comments on women. He was talking about Nikki Haley. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, Don Lemon essentially uh, is a uh, black gay Archie Bunker. Listen to this. This whole talk about AIDS makes me uncomfortable. I think that, I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered being her prime in her 20s. And I, I just, you know, I'm just going to talk to the, uh, I'm just going to talk to the men in the audience who are, you know, have women in their lives, you know, whatever. You consist gender, what the hell, you know. If you're hanging out with your wife and her friends and you say that, um, you're dead. I mean, it, it, there's really, I mean, you can, you can try right now, right now, I'd say his best bet is to go say, hey, I'm going to the fridge. Can I get you anything? But he didn't. 30s and maybe 40s. What do you that's talk, not according, wait. I, that's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll if you look, if you Google, when is a woman in her prime? It'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. I, don't I, uh, I Googled that this morning. I, I didn't, I didn't get that result. Actually. 40s. Oh, I got it. I'm not saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. You need to need qualify. To are you talking about prime for, like, childbearing? Or are you talking about prime for being... Yeah, yeah. This is a conversation that's going to end in one word. You know what that word is, guys? You know what that word is? It's going to end with you sleeping in on the couch or wherever. They, you know what it is? Fine. President. What the facts are, Google it. Everybody at home. When is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s, and 40s. This is where she says, fine, and you're dead. I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime, and they need to be in their prime when they serve. Because she Oh, okay, he said it because of that, because of uh, that. And, uh, I think he's thinking that because he's not uh, straight male that he's... Uh, you know, I'll just say a lot of a lot of women uh, and gay men, they're good friends. We, my wife has best friends who are gay men, and, and a lot of times a, man, a gay man could say something that a, a straight guy couldn't. You know, uh, like, uh, oh, you, you know, what do you think of my dress? Oh, it looks it looks great or it looks terrible. You know, and, and she'd be, okay. But if my wife asked me, she'd be like, who cares? I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm, I'm trying to not wear a filter. Anyway, he said that the, he apparently has issued a mea culpa. Here's what he said. He said, uh, the reference I made to a woman's prime this morning was uh, inartful and irrelevant. That's what he said. As colleagues and loved ones have pointed out, and I regret it. He also said, I'm sorry if I upset women. I know how they can emo- they are emotionally, particularly during certain times of the month. I, did- <clears throat> I think he said that. I'm just- <clears throat> of course, I'm being absurd. Uh, by the way, <clears throat> uh, Don Lemon with Poppy Poppy. 
Poppy Harlow and Caitlin. Caitlin, if I'm ever the president uh, of the United States, first edict, one spelling of Caitlin, one spelling of Megan, and it's going to be universal. No, not knit. One. One spelling for Megan. One spelling for Caitlin. We're, I'm so tired of the May- Megan and Caitlin spelling. Anyway, uh, lowest viewership among 2554 adults from the key demo and cable news. Lowest rating since 2013, and I think you know why. Let's take a break and come back. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's The Rob Carson Show. And by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. Hope you had a good week. It was an exciting uh, week in uh, lovely Kansas City where I consider, well, I'm where I live. I, I live here now, and, uh, and I have for about seven years. And in that time, uh, we've had one World Series and two Super Bowl championships. Thank you very much. It was kind of cool, kind of cool. And a big parade this week in uh, in Kansas City, and uh, a lot of people showed up for it. And I you know it's just uh, it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice that I was able to bring such good fortune to the people of Kansas City. Uh, that said, <laughs> uh, a gentleman who uh, made his home in Kansas City for a number of years and started off uh, working with the Kansas City Royals, Mr. Rush Limbaugh, who went on to become the greatest figure in uh, in uh, talk radio history. Passed away on this date two years ago, and I want to play this again. This is something I wrote for Rush Limbaugh. I was a kid right out of college, it was the early '90s, and uh, and I put this together for Rush. Someone, I believe, as consequential historically as far as radio is concerned. Uh, He changed the face of radio. He rescued, this is 33 years ago, he rescued AM radio (laughs) because AM radio had moved uh, exclusively to, uh, you know, uh, whatever, some talk, I guess, some old music, uh, older music channels and whatnot. Uh, and he brought it back. He brought it back because you know what? It, it isn't the uh, the uh, uh, I guess maybe the, the as much of the quality of the signal. It's the uh, it's the quality of the content. And he did it. And uh, and I'm grateful that I was able to work for a Rush for so many years. And I'll just share because maybe you're interested in the historical significance. I wrote that song 
Uh, I think about 1993, you could hear the, uh, he loves to tease Bill and Hillary. I threw that in there because uh, Bill Clinton was in his first term as president. And uh, he lost Congress. Um, for the first time, Democrats lost Congress in 40 years. And until that time, the Democrats had uh, control of Congress, uh, control of the uh, narrative, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Rush Limbaugh came around, and I think he really changed everything. Ronald Reagan and Rush Limbaugh changed everything. So as far as uh, someone being, I think, as impactful, uh, I don't think you'll see another one. There's a reason why talk radio is huge. There's where the reason why there's a conservative mu- uh, movement. There's a reason why there's hot air and weasel zippers and and uh, and uh, uh, the Daily Caller and uh, Fox News and uh, you could go on and on and on. All of these things, I believe, you can look to Rush Limbaugh for uh, for creating that. So there you go. God bless Rush. All right. Last hour of the show, we got a lot of stuff to get to, but I know that Rich wants to talk. He's in Joppa, Maryland. Would like to talk about Don Lemon and his comments about women. Well, quick on on your Rush Limbaugh thing. I can tell you as an 80s guy, I I, I guess I don't have a heart because they say if you're not a Democrat when you're young, you don't have a heart. And if you're not a Republican when you're old, you don't have a brain. I guess I don't have a heart because I was a Reaganite and then I was a Rushite. And there was a local guy named Ron Smith who I loved here in Baltimore, and I've been the conservative road my entire time. But I love listening to Don Lemon and Poppy Harlow. And what's the other girl's name? Uh, Caitlin some or other. Okay. So they're, they're, <laughs> they're combined I. Their combined IQ isn't an average of one person. I don't think combined they hit 112. They don't even but, get to, I'm going to tell you, they don't even get to Joe and Mika. And that's pretty low. But, but I love watching them because I, I, you can feel that n- none of them like one another. Oh, no. No, not one feel. little I bit. Mean, it's, it's, it's very uh, um, um, loud. It's palpable. It's, it's palpable. Right. Yes. And, and it's really funny because I was watching when uh, they were debating the WNBA, and yes. Don Lemon was saying, you know, women's basketball just isn't as interesting as men's basketball. And yeah. Poppy Harlow really believed in her soul, that the reason people don't watch the WNBA is because ESPN purposely doesn't air the games. Yeah. Because if they would air the games more, and she was adamant. And, yeah. and I'm thinking to myself, you know, we are a capitalist country. And yeah. if people really like watching women yeah. play basketball, yeah. believe me, CNN would love to have the ratings booth. But she is so dumb that yeah. she honestly and truly believes it's all based on Right, Rich, 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 I have a solution for the NWNBA. I have a solution for the WNBA. You ready? Go. Uh, LeBron James, identify as a woman and compete in the WNBA. <laughs> hey, Michael Jordan just turned 60. If he did it, he'd be the best player on the NBA. I love the Caitlyn Jenner thing. She's doing the interview, and she says, I've been on I've been on hormones for seven years. I can still drive a golf ball over three hundred yards, yes. which is further than any current LPGA player. Yes. yes, I know, I know, I know. Well, Rich, you know what? I, my my thanks for the call. Here here's the thing. My heart goes out to women athletes because a lot of the times, particularly in high school and college, 
if a if a female athlete is is uh, fighting in her sport, uh, frequently there is very little reward. If she's fortunate, well, obviously you're going to get the, the self achievement. Same way with young men and athletes. We don't rarely go on to athletic careers, but young women in in high school they they are lucky if they can garner a uh, a scholarship when they get into uh, college. They uh, you know they they uh, fortunately I guess the, the only part of Title IX that may have worked now they're using it for transgender nonsense was to kind of at least fund women's sports so women could compete with one another, go on to uh, Olympic victory and whatnot. But there's very little in the way of uh, professional options for women's athletics, and that is very difficult to handle. And and it, it's just the, the nature of the beast. Uh, that's just the way it is uh, with regard to uh, football. I mean, listen, I've been around a lot of professional athletes in my life, and you haven't I mean, you can't even fathom what it's like to stand next to a six foot six linebacker who weighs three or, or you know, uh, whatever center, uh, uh, you know, guard, whatever, uh, six foot six, three hundred and thirty pound male football player. You've never seen anything like it. You've never experienced anything that powerful. Uh, when I was in my peak physically, uh, you know, which which Don Lemon may uh, you know may protest. Um, <clears throat> I could bench press about 350 pounds. That was when I was pushing 30 years old. I could bench press two plates 25 times. Just boom, 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 boom. These guys are monsters. They are superhuman beings. If you've ever stood next to somebody who's seven foot seven one, you realize that there's no one who can compete with them unless they are men of of that size or at least the, the stamina to be able to take a hit from somebody like one of those. But that said, I, my heart goes out to so many women who fight and fight and fight for everything they do. And they get to the point where they're a pinnacle of their career. And then you see, all of a sudden, it's okay for men to become women and compete with them and beat them and destroy their dreams. What the hell? On top of everything else. And, and uh, Rachel Levine becomes the woman of the year. She's a middle management government employee headed towards retirement, decides to become a woman and becomes a woman of the year. Caitlyn Jenner has not had his, her face on a Wheaties box in 40 years and becomes a woman, gets on the cover of Vanity Fair. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, hey, hey who's that? Oh, it's uh, Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, oh, but, 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 you know, kind of like that. Uh, I saw the crying game. Anyway, uh, so so my heart goes out to uh, female athletes uh, with regard to that. And then you got Don Lemon over here. Don Lemon, dear Lord. Uh, let's go to Ken in uh, Jessup, Maryland as well. Ken, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What are your thoughts on uh, Don Lemon, who rhymes with women, by the way? Uh, what are your yeah. thoughts? Uh <laughs> I, you know, it just occurred to me what? that this represents everything that's wrong at CNN. I okay. mean, they, they start a conversation about women, and who gets the floor? A gay guy. <laughs> you know, when, they, when they want to talk about the dangers of disinformation, they bring in the very people who are guilty of spreading disinformation. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe it's time for Don. Maybe Don needs to start identifying as the opposite sex. He, he, that way he can say stuff like that without a problem. Yeah, yeah. I would get killed for saying anything like that. <laughs> can, they can, want to talk about Trump's lies, they'll bring in an FBI agent who got fired for lying to the FBI. It's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
somehow, you know, I think this afternoon they're going to have a, a segment on a productive Zoom calls hosted by Jeffrey Tubin. You know? There you go. <laughs> yes, I, I forgot about Jeffrey Tubin. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, sh- I should have done a parody of the Tube Steak Boogie with uh, ZZ Top on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just they have this formula of consistently yeah. having the wrong message delivered yeah. by the wrong messenger. You're right. And you're right. I, I think that people just can't watch it anymore. You know? uh, I agree Not- with you, bro. I agree. Thanks yeah, for the call. That's it. Thanks that's all I got for today. You bet, bro. I appreciate it. You know, yeah, you can you can feel the uh, the uh, competitiveness between them, and and television is, uh, I mean, very a lot of very egotistical people in television. Radio too. Don't get me wrong, but but TV. I mean, it is woo. It is a different ballgame. I'll tell you, the people that I know in television are a lot of really cool people. I know Salcedo from Newsmax, and I know, uh, I know, well, I know Brett Bear. Whatever. Anyway, whatever. He's not as egotistical. I don't agree with his politics. I think he's kind of a you know whatever. He's a rhino. Um, but but boy, I tell you what, you go to a lot of places and, and TV people they get they have very easily bruised egos and. And I've been in situations where you've had to share a mic with somebody who's competing with you, and it's not good. Uh, I don't have the time for it. I, you know, I, I, I had to work with teams forever, and I got tired of the nonsense. And, you know, well, you talked about this. Now I get this break. Oh, shut up. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of that. And, and I, I don't know, man. It sounds like this could be it for Don Lemon. Uh, and the reason being he failed at night. Uh, I'm talking about on the TV show, <laughs> in case you clear that up. Uh, failed at the night show. He's in the morning show. Worst ratings ever. Then steps in it here. I am i don't know if he's going to be able to recover. He doesn't have the uh, the capital. He doesn't have the uh, capital with the audience that would uh, that would merit his, uh, his keeping. All right, let's move on. I'm going to move on. I am going to talk one story about uh, MSNBC and how MSNBC basically told uh, one of their former employees to uh, back off criticism of Hillary Clinton uh, right around election time. And then John Kennedy grills a couple of uh, climate eco-warriors that, and it's just, oh boy, it's beautiful. It's on the other side of this break. This is the Rob Carson Show. Proud to serve as the iceberg to the SS Titanic every day. It's the Rob Carson Show. Couple of quick notes. If you want to check out the podcast of this radio show, uh, Ken Decker, my producer, he uh, takes the show every day, makes it into two one-hour segments, and posts it on digital uh, media on all of your platforms. For instance, if you've got Apple uh, Podcasts, if you'd uh, you know subscribe there, uh, give me a five-star review. That would be huge. Otherwise, it's on uh, Spotify. It's everywhere. It's on uh, uh, iHeartRadio. Uh, etc. But if you want a compendium of all of those, uh, just go to Newsmax.com slash listen, Newsmax.com slash listen. And then uh, my show this weekend is, uh, it's called Rob Carson's What in the World. It's a TV show. It's on, uh, it's on Newsmax television. And it's on Saturday night, Sunday, and Monday. And uh, Donald Trump's favorite show, by the way. He, uh, he said it's his favorite show. He thinks I'm the funniest guy on TV. So uh, if you get a chance to check it out this weekend, it'd be great. Just go to Newsmax.com or NewsmaxTV.com for uh, details. Just Google Newsmax. We're all over the place. We're all over the And we're growing, by the way. We're growing, and, uh, and we've created quite a buzz since um, DirecTV thought they could just eh, get rid of us. Get rid of Newsmax. Eh, get rid of it. Nobody will say anything. <clears throat> well... You did, big time, 
And uh, right now, I, I understand that AT&T and DirecTV are officially at the table. So if you want to call 877-NEWSMAX, voice your support of uh, Newsmax, and more importantly, guys, the arena of ideas. Right now, think about this. So you're going to let a company just, it, with, with what, how many, how many channels you got on DirecTV? When I had DirecTV, I think we had, oh, dear Lord, probably a couple hundred channels, right? One channel remaining that has a conservative bent. That's Fox. And even then, it's tenuous at best. So we're doing our level best to get back on DirecTV because 13 million of you every week check out Newsmax on DirecTV. So there you go. 877 Newsmax, if you'd help us out, it'd be huge. It'd be huge. So uh, on the Joe Rogan experience, <laughs> Crystal Ball, I mean, her name really legit is uh, Crystal Ball, K-Y-R, uh, no, K-R-Y-S-T-A-L, Crystal Ball. Because her last name is Ball. A mom said, I don't know, what should we name her that'll really embarrass her through her entire life? Yeah, Lucille, it's already been done. Uh, let, uh, yeah, let's spell it, though, with a K. That way, you know. Whatever. Anyway, Crystal Ball was on the, uh, <laughs> on a, yeah, she was on MSNBC and she was let go. She was on the Joe Rogan experience and uh, she was sharing her take on uh, Hillary in 2014 as a former senator was viewed as a possible candidate for president in the next elections. And she saw, for instance, she, she saw that uh, Hillary Clinton had uh, taken $400,000 to give two speeches from Goldman Sachs and wrote online, says, you know, uh, do we really want... Uh, this this woman to be the president of the United States as we're trying to wrest control of the asylum back from the banking inmates. And uh, then she did a story for MSNBC, and then uh, MSNBC said, okay, well, uh, you know what, uh, we got to have a little talk. Here's Crystal Ball on uh, Joe Rogan talking about uh, you can't say anything bad about Hillary Clinton on MSNBC. Big surprise since they didn't cover the uh, the server story and uh, they didn't cover Joe Biden's and Hunter Biden's laptop, and I could go on and on. Now, ultimately, shortly before I was let go, I did a monologue when Hillary Clinton was building up to run for president. It was back in 2014. So this was early on. Yeah. And I did this whole thing that was like, she's. Like, I don't know what she's complaining about. She didn't end up, end up dead in a park. Pulled down to Wall Street. What? People what? are going to hate this lady. What? She's like the terrible candidate for the moment. Please don't run. And um, I was allowed to say it, right? I delivered my thing. I did it exactly how I wanted to do it. Yeah. Afterwards, I get pulled into an office. Uh -oh. and, you know, great model. Everything's fine. But. Next time you do any commentary on Hillary Clinton, it has to get approved by the president of the network. Of course it does. Yeah. And there is no worse chilling effect than a person in charge of programming saying you've got to run something by us first. Think about, you know, I mean, I would love to say that I, I did further Hillary Clinton commentary. There's no doubt about it. But I would love to say that didn't affect me and I was just there to be a truth teller. But listen, I'm a human being. I'm sure. That's I called a, sh a warning shot over your bow, by the way. I responded to the incentives of that system of like, oh, I don't want to get in trouble with the boss. No. Sure. You yeah. know, and that's no. so that's the way that it works. People, that's a very blatant example, oh, yeah. but oftentimes people know where the boundaries are. Chilling effect. They know what they're allowed to say, and so they don't need that direct intervention of censorship. And also, by the way, 
these people, most of them in you know cable news, they're they're not really there because they're talented. They're there right. because they're reliable purveyors of whatever it is that that network wants to purvey. And if you couldn't fire enough people for not joining the party line, you hire sycophant Democrats. And then you work with the government to declare the opposite opinion to be misinformation and disinformation. Yeah, it happened. Classic John Kennedy, Senator on the way, grilling some greenies. It's beautiful. Stick around. Bulldoze the swamp, pave it over, and start again. It's the Rob Carson Show. It's Friday. Friday's always a good time for Metallica. Thank you. Come on. Interesting, man. I love it. <sighs> this is the kind of stuff I like to listen to when I'm at the gym. I know. Five Finger Death Punch, Metallica, Rage Against the Machine, all that stuff, you know. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, by the way, hundreds of migrants will be uh, bused to Chicago from uh, Texas to be housed in an old Kmart if the state gets their way. So that's what they're doing. They're taking an old, an old Kmart superstore uh, that closed in 2016, and they're going to put uh, uh, illegals there. I, I would assume they will have to move them out in September when it becomes a Halloween Express. I, 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 could, be, uh, I could be wrong, but generally that's what happens. <laughs> With abandoned Kmart's in the fall. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, you wonder why? Do you wonder why there hasn't been a big federal response to the uh, to <laughs> to East Palestine, where seventy percent of the voters voted for Donald Trump, and about ninety five percent of them just happened to be uh, privileged white people? Well, here's Kamala Harris a couple of years ago talking about uh, race based disaster relief. Listen, it is our. Um lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and, and so women. we absolutely and so we have to address this in yeah. a way that is about giving resources based on equity understanding that we we fight for equality but we wow. also need to fight for equity understanding not everyone starts out at the same place really you talk to any of those folks in uh, east palestine they've probably been at peace palestine they've been poor their whole lives and if we want people to be in an equal place sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um and and do that work there you go she gets applause she gets applause dear god you know it's like uh, honestly this this is so uh just overwhelmingly just awful um, this whole white supremacy nonsense, this whole equity nonsense that there are so many people who live in poverty in this country and they're, uh, you know, all white people don't eat caviar. <laughs> they live in mobile home parks and they and they struggle and they can't afford bottled water when the governor says you got to drink bottled water. It just honestly just kind of gives you a little sneak peek, don't it? But she done there. She wasn't done there. Here she is. Listen to this. this, this she did an interview with Andrea Mitchell and she's in Munich for the security conference. I don't know what the hell for, but anyway, she's there. And uh, and here, listen to this. This is a, a word salad. Uh, if I were her, I'd do a little maybe vinaigrette. Uh, I wouldn't go with a ranch. I'd go something less creamy, uh, something a little more pungent, I guess, aromatic, uh, probably uh, maybe a balsamic vinaigrette. Um, but with this word salad, here she is talking about the, the Chinese spy, spy balloon and uh, Joe Biden's response. But when you present the, the, the suggestion that anyone is saying... Um, that 
that it is time for a new generation, and they're running against the person who is president. Um, and it, when presented as though it's an attack, I would like to let, let us all be clear that the attack is misplaced. Oh, it, I was mistaken. She's talking about uh, uh, Joe Biden being attacked for his age, I guess. If the point of it is that we need leadership that is strong, because we have a strong leader in Joe Biden. Thank you very much, madam. Thank you. We're done. We're done. It does the thing right across his throat, like cut, cut, cut. <laughs> this woman, I swear to God, never. Uh, it's remarkable. But, you know, you are the privileged, uh, you know, she's not privileged. <laughs> uh, it's just amazing. You know, uh, all right, let's move on. I, I can't uh, I can't deal with her anymore. Cannot deal with her. John Kennedy is uh, a senator. He is the king of colloquial, as I call him. I, I love listening to uh, John Kennedy speaking. He, uh, very matter-of-fact, says a lot of really funny stuff. And the other day, he was talking to me uh, uh, during a Senate Budget Committee hearing addressing intersecting issues on the economy and climate change, which they had to change from global cooling, which they changed to global warming, and neither one of those is happening. So now they just say, oh, yeah, it's climate change climate change covers everything and then and then as though that weren't enough they decided that uh, they would also have to say the reason why it's happening is because of this because <sighs> of uh, carbon dioxide emissions which all carbon-based life exhales if it breathes so that way they can control everything it's it's just beyond stupid it really is beyond stupid that said uh, John Kennedy is there talking to uh, Doug, Dr. Douglas Holtz-Eakin, and the guy's name, he's, he talks about climate change and cleaning up the environment. His last name is Litterman. Litterman. Anyway, a Litterman is a devout uh, advocate of a carbon tax, which is a giant money grab for crap, all right? And they were being asked how much money, because they want to get to carbon neutrality, which is a fallacy. It's a joke. You cannot make an economy carbon neutral. It's not possible. And the only way you can make you carbon neutral is to stop breathing. But here he is talking to these morons about how much it's going to cost to get us to carbon neutrality. Now, you, you know, you want to figure so you can, you can budget it. They have no figure. You know why? Because they will take whatever they can get, as much as they can get, and there will be no results. Listen to this. Dr. Litterman, how much will it cost to make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050 i don't know sir and this guy's got this ridiculous cheshire cat grotesque smile on his face all the time so you're advocating we do these things but you don't know the ultimate cost yes absolutely i i, I certainly don't know the ultimate cost and it's very uncertain it depends Dr. on Hansen, it, it depends on it innovations. It depends on. I, I understand. I'm just trying to lay a foundation here to understand your expert testimony, Doctor Holtzikin. Do you know how much it will cost to make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050? Depends how you do it. If we do it all in the federal budget with directed things, it'll be Public super expensive. Public and private expensive. dollars. Sorry. Public and private dollars. It's it's ultimately private dollars. Okay, now he is going to go to a special folder that he carries with him for numbers like this. It's called the uh, pull numbers out of your butt folder. Why? Yeah, I agree. So, so how much? 
you're going to look at $50 trillion. $50 trillion. $50 trillion. Okay, $50,000 billion, which is $1,000 million. So $50 billion. Okay, thank you. If we make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050. With 50 trillion dollars that we're going to invest it, will it have a result? By spending 50 trillion dollars. Trillion dollars, yeah. It's a lot of money. Which you're advocating, I gather. Yes. No? Okay. Then strike that last part. I'm wrong. You're not advocating. You're not advocating. Okay, all right. That's 50 trillion. You're advocating something. Um, if you're going to do something, do if, something smart. That's what I advocated. Okay. If we spend $50 trillion yes. to make the United States of America carbon neutral yes. by 2050, yes. how much will that lower world temperatures? I can't ask that because we don't know what China and India and the rest of the globe has done. So you, you want $50 trillion to combat climate change and global warming, and you can't tell us if that $50 trillion would do anything. Okay. Have you had heard anybody from the Biden administration say how much it will lower world temperatures? Yes. Uh, Kamala Harris said trees are pretty and electric school buses are neat. No. Does anybody know how much it will lower world temperatures? No. No one can know for sure. Okay. okay. Dr. Litterman. How, how do you know that the uh, polar ice caps are melting then? Yes. If we spend $50 trillion or yeah. however much it takes yes. to make the United States carbon neutral by 2050, how much will it lower world temperatures? $50 trillion, by the way. That depends on the rest of the world. We have to work with the rest of the world. We're in this together. Well, it's what one if, world. What if, we can't what build if, a wall around if, the United what States if, and say... What if, what if we spend $50 trillion, yeah. Europe cooperates, Yes. most Western democracies cooperate. Because they're stupid, too. But India and China don't. They don't, and they won't. How much will our $50 trillion lower world temperature? We're in this together, Senator. We how have to get will, the world to you, work together. And all they want is $50 trillion for nothing. Uh, because, it, see, it's meant to hobble our economy. It's meant to hobble the United States. It's meant to bring down our boat, not raise the ships of others. That's what it's there for. That's what it's all about. (laughs) Left wing. Here's a little bit more. uh, John Kennedy, and this is where it gets funny. Dr. Litterman, do you you believe, based on your observation, you seem to be a very intelligent, well-informed man. Yes. Based on your observation of uh, uh, Mr. Xi Jinping. Chinese leader that Mr. Xi Jinping will ever do anything that is uh, inconsistent with China's best interests in the name of global climate change? I understand that China has a federal carbon tax. So? Yeah, but, but faced with a policy. They're building coal plants like they're going out of style. Okay. And they are here. Where China does something that's not in its best interest, but it does it because it's in the global best interest. Do you think President Xi would do that? I think that President Xi understands that we have to work together to address this global problem. And the best way to get rid of carbon is to enslave people and then murder them. Yes, I do. 
and it will be in the best interest of China to work with the United States to address this problem. So you think problem. the answer is yes? There's another place that carbon comes out of, but I won't do that on the radio. I think the answer is that it's in China's best interest to work with the rest of the world to address this problem, as it is in the United States' you, best interest believe, to work with the rest of the world to believe, address this problem, you to believe, create harmonized incentives to reduce... you believe the in the tooth fairy? <laughs> no, sir. Do you believe in the Easter Bunny? <laughs> no, sir. Do you believe that Jimmy Hoffa died of natural causes? No, sir. Okay. All right, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of absurd, isn't it? And they only want $50 trillion. Green New Deal is a total scam. Taxpayers, it is gonna slam. Jim Gossett. It's just a giant money grab. Bankrupt the country while we all pay the tab. Take it away, Bernie. Electric cars you can't afford to drive. Economy will fight to stay alive. Destruction will be far and wide. We'll be suffering because Joe Manchin lied. Windmills can't drill. EVs, huge fees. How did it pass? Goodbye, cars with gas. Green New Deal is a joke. All right, let's take a break and come back. This is the Rob Carson Show. Ain't freedom of expression great? Follow Rob Carson on social media. Go to Truth Social Getter, Facebook and Twitter at Rob Carson Show. By the way, I'm going to be on Newsmax today at a little after 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central on Chris Salcedo's show. To talk about uh, Rush Limbaugh and uh, uh, Rush's uh, uh, anniversary of his passing, which is today. It's been two years. It's been two years. He's buried in uh, St. Louis. I was uh, I was disappointed. I, I wish he would have been uh, buried in Cape Girardeau. But anyway, uh, God bless him. He was um, amazing, amazing man. I, I, I had the I had the immense pleasure of meeting him in Washington D.C. and I had talked to him a number of times when he lived in New York and. Worked with him there. It's amazing, man. <clears throat> Couple of things here. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna save this. They've uh, they've got the uh, uh, these new chat bots and stuff with regard to uh, using AI to carry on conversations with people. It's it's quite frightening. We do have it's not artificial intelligence, I guess. When you have a uh, a l a l e x a, which I have in the studio with me, and I don't say the a l e x a name out loud because you know I try to unplug it most of the time just because it's kind of creepy, and I don't need another woman monitoring everything I do. Thank you very much. Did you use this glass? I'm sorry. Are you Alexa? Or are you are you my wife? Are you gonna? Do, were you gonna rinse this out before the dishwasher? Are you Alexa? How about this? Alexa, stop. And my wife doesn't mean it. There goes Alexa. She's just like having two wives. It's like being whatever. Okay. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Let's, let's do this. I've got a little, uh, a little gender confusion update for you here. Gender confusion. What is my gender today? Hey, hey. Gender confusion. Hey, hey. Teach my elementary school students about gender identity. Oh my God. So, an intersexual uh, suspect from Arkansas identifies as a woman was arrested after allegedly making bomb threats against a college town in neighboring Mississippi. Uh, officers with the Oxford Police Department in Mississippi received reports on January 31st that Lily Mestishmacher, 
<clears throat> allegedly threatened to make a bomb, according to a press release. Now, if you've seen a if you've seen a mugshot, um, I'll just say it. Uh, Lily's a dude uh, with a wig. I mean, literally a fat, hairy guy with beard who just put a wig on. That's it. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid of being canceled. It's a dude with a wig, and he just says he's a woman, so he'll go to the girls' prison. Which, which, where would you rather be? Where would you rather be? I mean, honestly, you, you, go, you go to jail for something? Oh, hell, I'm all sudden a woman. I'm all sorts of woman if I can go to the women's jail. It's like, have you ever been at work a lot of times? The women's bathroom is so much better than the men's. I worked in Washington, D.C. I lived in Washington, D.C. a dozen years. Men's room, you walk right in, urinal, urinal, stall, stall, boom. Walk into the women's restroom, uh, fainting couch, uh, potpourri, occasionally a bathroom attendant. Would you like some mouthwash? I mean, it's just, what? The, what? What? A little spritz of what, what, what perfume would you like to use today? Givenchy, a simple Givenchy. No, no, I'm, uh, I'm a woman. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yes, it's a, uh, you know, Lily is intersex and identifies as a woman, even though she looks like a fat guy with a beard with a wig on, which is what he is. And then there's this. This is kind of tough. This is a tough situation to be in. Uh, and and honestly, I, you know, maybe you might question your um, your relationship with your family. Noah Berlatsky says that his child, who started to identify as bisexual in middle school, uh, reevaluated re- during high school, started to identify uh, transgender and lesbian. <clears throat> so bisexual, transgender, lesbian. So trans, okay, lesbian could be a guy that became transgender and still likes women, which would make him a lesbian. Mm. Later, Berlatsky's bisexual wife started identifying as non-binary. It makes you kind of wonder what's in the water. You know, there are these little uh, hormones in the water because there's too much estrogen in the water. Fish will suddenly, you know. I think Alex Jones says that, you know, the frogs that, that are born, you know, bisexual. He's, he gets weird. Our daughter came out as bisexual in middle school and high school. She readdressed, came out as a trans lesbian. My daughter came out as a trans lesbian and prompted my wife to think about her own gender. Uh, she since then came out as non-binary, although she retrained she and her pronouns. I don't think there's any amount of counseling that's going to help this, bro. I really don't. I really, he wrote, uh, I guess, online, as a boring cisgender straight guy in the family, I just don't get some aspects of queer culture, but I'm grateful to be outnumbered in my family by other demographics. So there's that. I don't even know where to start. I mean, what would you do? Where do you, where do you start the conversation? You're sitting at the table. So, how are things? Well, you know, I am uh, decided to be a non-binary. More gravy for you there, honey? No, I'm cool. I'm just going to kind of digest that. I'm just going to try to digest that. You've you put a lot on my plate, but it's not food. <sighs> All right. Uh, let's take a break, come back, and wrap up this show on a Friday edition. Don't go anywhere. That's going to do it for the show, guys. Check out my radio, my TV show this weekend. It's called Rob Carson's What in the World on Newsmax. And if you want to help out Newsmax uh, by getting them back on DirecTV, 877-NEWSMAX. Have a glorious weekend. God bless you guys. And until Monday, do not catch the stupid. See you then.